spoiler alert, the films we review on the Slashers and Screamers podcast are guaranteed to be spoiled in full if you listen beyond this point. If you've not seen the film we're reviewing this week, I urge you to find it and watch it to your heart's content before joining us. But if you don't care and just want to listen to fun conversations, then by all means, stick around for Slashers and Screamers. During their Christmas break, a group of sorority girls are stalked by a stranger. The holidays can be some very stressful times. We're about to make it even more stressful with Black Christmas. It's just a creepy movie. It definitely creeps you out for sure. Somebody has to be perfect, so it might as well be. <laughs> Talk about deja vu. You live to tell the tale. You gotta find where we're. It's the Slashers and Screamers podcast. James, how um, what, what kind of smoke are you dealing with there, man? Uh, something you a, built out of a fifty-five gallon drum? No, it's an electric smoker. Master Chief, <laughs> not Master Chief. You know, it's Master, a Master Chief. Chief. Well, Master, Master Chief, Chief is the highest rank in the enlisted uh sector of the navy you know also a well, smoker apparently well yeah well this is the also, highest rank this is the highest rank you can get an electric smoker bill you don't think that would be a, a traeger is that no. electric no i don't know i don't know I, I, don't, I don't think they're electric they probably don't they're know. not they're, they're like electricity it's not as primitive or it's, it's not primitive enough for them People make smokers out of weird shit on the internet, though. I've seen it on TikTok. Yeah, that's why I asked if James had one made out of a 55-gallon drum. Apparently not. Yeah, Why is that noise? I don't know. Like, James is probably shuffling through YouTube again to find a a little song for us to get sued over. (laughs) I've got my own song this week, Bill. Do you? Yeah. What's it about? Christmas. Oh, really? It is December. I'm dreaming of a white black Christmas. (laughs) 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 You know, I might have to use that as the intro. What you did not do that for free we, we've been okay. on for about two minutes now but uh what's funny about that is i actually have an opening uh like it's not recorded yet so i'm just gonna have to backtrack and change it now but i was gonna sing i'm dreaming of a black christmas yeah he sure doesn't i don't I, is that bing crosby uh, probably Oh. Probably. <laughs> He's oh, the only one saying back then. Christmas. The only one. the ones I used to know. Yeah, it must be. He starred in the movie, I guess. Well, I've never yeah, seen I that Yeah, I guess movie. that makes sense. To me, the only person that sings that song is Kevin McAllister. Who is that? Macaulay Culkin from Home Alone. Who is that? Oh, 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 oh. I was thinking a real person, and I was like, oh, I have no Frank Sinatra. Bill. Yeah. Old Frankie is probably saying it. Old Mister Probably. Old Blue Eyes. Old Daniel Stern. Song. 
fucking Daniel Stern. You know, what's <laughs> funny is <laughs> Daniel Stern might be one of the funniest people to never get talked about anymore. But I <laughs> was watching this Washington football team game against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I swear by the day, Derek Carr is turning more and more into Daniel Stern. He, and more specifically, he's turning more into Marv from Home Alone. Oh, man. Holy yeah, you got you to look it up. There are 500 recorded versions of White Christmas. Oh, yeah. It's the oldest song in the history of the earth. I don't know if that's true. Uh, Frank did do it. Down. True. It, <laughs> that was recorded. Yeah, it's recorded and soon to be released. <laughs> <clears throat> well, speaking of releasing, let's release uh, some news on what's going on this weekend. Right God damn it, James. You, you never have a thought until I'm in the middle of saying something, <laughs> and then it just flies right out of your ass. <clears throat> I'll be mid-sentence. <laughs> Brown singing your favorite Christmas songs. But I sing through the snow, and I want horse open sleigh. And he sings them all in the court of G. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that that's a G. It was, it was probably Chestnuts roasting all over fire. Pretty sure that was all a G, just the volume got higher. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. I thought he said nipping off your nose for years. You know who sings a great acapella of uh, Jimmy Buffett's, what is the name of that song? It's not you. I was Margar- saying that you. <laughs> Margaritaville? Was- no, it's not me. Yeah, Margaritaville. Who? My dad. Okay. God. If it wasn't you, I guess we got to go. <laughs> Somehow, um, I we always guessed at- it was your dad. <laughs> we were at a cookout at my grandma's house, and this car salesman brings out a guitar and starts strumming Margaritaville. And <laughs> my dad... Breaks out and slings the song. <clears throat> so how do you know he does a good acapella version? Well, it was acoustic guitar. Okay, so, acoustic, acoustic so guitar. you're already mis- misrepresenting your father. Acapella well, I mean, groups everywhere are horrified. If he, he hadn't had a guitar, <laughs> if he hadn't had that guitar playing, it would have sounded lovely. Oh, so the, the guitar, guitar ruined. ruined. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, Dad, <laughs> that would have sounded great if not for this bastard over here. <laughs> that bastard with the guitar playing all the playing all the in tune chords. Well, what's going on this week in horror? I had to put Mark. up today. Shut up, James. That's horrible, horrible in itself. There's quite a few things that happened this week in horror, actually. Uh, Tony Todd's birthday was yesterday. We've talked about him a few times. He was in... Old Candyman himself. I was going to say one or more of the movies that we did. He was in Hellfest. Was he in another we did? He was... Yeah, he had that little bit part as the, uh, I I guess the... I don't know what you The announcer guy? Yeah, the MC. He's also in the new Masters of the Universe cartoon. Oh, you did talk about that. I remember that. Did you? Yeah, he for sure did. He talked about it like 80 times. Where was I? 81 to be exact. 81 now. Billy, was you I on here. that episode? You are on every episode. So yes. I, I am the only one who's been absent. I don't know if that's true. I think it is. I've been absent several times. 
I don't think that's yeah. true. Well, he's been absent. <laughs> he started the episode, but he eventually faded out. Oh, somewhere. that's true. We've lost I him a few th- times. I was there, but then I wasn't there. That's like podcast inception. <laughs> yeah, I had a mouse in my pocket. Brought me back. <laughs> well, Brought Tony me back Todd. Reality, Every time I think about Tony Todd, yeah, it's easy to think about Candyman um, because that was kind of his, I don't want to call it like his breakout role or anything like that because he was in the uh, the remake of The Night of the Living Dead. Um, but I always think about 24. There was an early season, you know, the TV show 24, Kiefer Sutherland, etc. Um, Tony Todd showed up as just a random detective on an early season of 24 and then like season eight rolls around where they're in Africa with the guy with the, the child soldiers. And he's suddenly this African general, like same actor, different role altogether. And I just wondered like if he showed up to casting and was like, Hey guys, you know, I'm already in this series and nobody you know was any the wiser. SVU does that. Do they? They, they have like the same person. Yeah. And... I thought that was just a thing of like... TV shows past. No, Give me the lost toes now. Oh my god. Um, no, SVU will do that. Like if someone's not oh, no, and, they, and they do like a bit part in the beginning in later seasons, if maybe they get a little more famous, they may have like a recurring role or just like a bigger part. Like they might be See, the killer or something. I thought that was just a thing of TV shows past. Like Gunsmoke would do that. Um, my Give me parents, the lost toes. God damn it, James! You're not going to get those launch codes from me or anybody. <laughs> Um, another important thing. I'm an air Damn it! I need to know where the launch codes are. That's every season of 24 (laughs) reenacted by our own Godfather of Droll, James. (laughs) You know, I've never watched one single episode of that bullshit. I'm aware. Me about it. I'm aware. I'm aware. You need to watch the 24 with Kiefer (laughs) Sutherland. Is that how it sounds, James? It's the goose. Um, Casey, please. On yeah exciting new thing not new anniversary of the thriller music video aka the first music video inducted into the national film registry the most famous video of all time off the highest selling album of all time we're talking about hey james you remember when mr lewis used to play the thriller on record on record when we would have these little the same thriller there's not another thriller there's you're, wait thing. hang on hang on james so what you're telling me 1987 hold it ni- 1987 we're five years old in gym class oh, out in 1987 thriller was out in 1982 okay so five years after this Three. album the, like the, when did it come out 83 so four years after this album comes out you don't think our phys ed teacher the only black guy in westmoreland tennessee is playing the same michael jackson thriller record for us as children is that what you're telling me he was jamming out to that thing in his car every morning before school like right there like the record player right there in his pickup truck got a vincent price coming on there first thing 
God, that was terrible. You know, I was so afraid of Vincent Price when I was little, not for any of the movies that he did. It was a, a liquid tile commercial that he had, like a bathroom cleaner. He was the spokesman, and at the end of the commercial, they would say the little catchphrase for the, the tile cleaner, and his eyes would glow. And the first time I saw that, I fucking came unglued and just ran out the room. And then any time after I saw that, the commercial would just start. I would see that fucker on TV, and I was gone. I was just mortified by this hmm. tile cleaner commercial. This week, we also got the release of the images for the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. What's that going to be? Is that coming out in, like, in theaters, or is that a, a Netflix I, thing? I think it actually is a Netflix thing. Well, I, I'm because sure I, it'll be in. I'm sure it'll be in theaters also. Um, I think usually they're released side by side. But let me look. Yeah, could be um, Halloween Kills was like that on peacock and in theaters um let's see i ended up paying it is money. gonna be on netflix intrigue well i saw that cast. Is this a, still picture of that cast is this so a that, that's thing? a netflix cast what's new in horror today yeah yeah I mean, it may as well be have i gotta come up with something well you, you did sure you came up with that singing earlier that's true that's that was it. horrific <laughs> This week is also the anniversary of Krampus being released. I really like Krampus. Hopefully that's one that we get to later on. Krampus, Krampus, where is Krampus? It's good. Sometimes we got to create our own songs. Yeah, when you don't have one already, you you, I mean, you do need music. Music kind of sells it all. And if that song was playing while I was being chased by anything, I believe I would shit a brick. A literal squared off, ready to just build a house brick. (laughs) He's going to shoot a chicken. Did he go shoot a chicken? Well, you know, He's back. I probably saw Krampus. Um, it was a number of years after it came out. I just saw it <laughs> last year for the first time. I had a Krampus sitting on the toilet earlier. <laughs> <laughs> I have it on uh, TV. So. I was Pam going. <laughs> Owning something on DVD just isn't a brag. So I just pulled this list up. Five things nobody has in their home anymore. Number one is DVD. <laughs> no. I have a lot of DVDs. They're cheaper okay. than Blu-ray still. They're still but sold. Do you, do you have a DVD player hooked up? I have yeah, a Blu-ray I player do. that plays DVDs. I have a, yeah, same thing. Well... Hang on, that's not, I don't think that's the item that we're saying here. Just a straight up DVD player. Do any of you have yes, one plugged up? Yes, I have right a now? straight up DVD player. You've probably got a VCR plugged up right now, right? I do have a VCR, <laughs> yeah. I God. I haven't watched anything on the actual D, like put a disc in something and watched it in probably, I don't know, five years? Well, I don't think Rick has either. That's why he's always saying, I've got that on DVD, but it's probably wrapped up. It's probably still got that little sticker on top of it that you have to peel off, and it takes like 80 different little pulls. Well, mine always rip. It's because you're bad at it. There's only, like, I was into Redbox there for a little while, but that's been a while back. I've been in the Red Tube for a while. Carry on, James. So y'all want to know the rest of the story? Sure. The story or the list? Five things nobody has in their home anymore. Number one, yes, DVD players. Number Damn, he's talking all fast. CDs. I saw CDs balling last week. Oh, there we go. But, but you bought a CD last week? You probably yeah, still- I did. 
you probably still got that thing. It comes in the mail and you pick 12 CDs again for like 99 cents. Weston <laughs> House. Was it Weston House? Uh, there's like Columbia House. No. And <laughs> he's Rick, probably got them. He's what probably going to get them charged to his parents. <laughs> Number yeah, three. Okay, well, guess we won't find out what CD Rick bought. Oh, well, let's hear it. It was uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Blizzard of Oz. Why? Why? Because mm. Ozzy's the man. What kind of why. question is that? No, but like, why particularly that one? Did you find it somewhere? Did you order it specifically? No, it I is a random time have... to buy that. That's a CD I don't have that I wanted. But how did you acquire it? Amazon. Okay, so you deliberately sought it out. Yes. Okay, I was just curious if you like went to like a like I go to used bookstores and I see a lot of CDs there that I haven't thought about in a long time. I don't know if it was a situation like that. Anyway, James, James continue with your list. Number three, filing cabinet. I've got a, a filing cabinet, cabinet right now. Where's it I at? Don't. Yeah, I've got a filing cabinet right under my printer. I've got a what file. are you filing? Well, that's HIPAA-related info. Important. My mom, my mom has all kinds of shit in her filing cabinet. Which is gather at Black Masses. <laughs> Just like witches have black. Okay. <laughs> Uh, a wall calendar is number four. My mom also that. has a wall calendar. Yeah, I've got a wall calendar, but it's like wall from three years ago. <clears throat> Why do you wall... have it? I forgot to take it down. I feel like it's time. I got a wall calendar work with swimsuit models on it. <laughs> Don't tell nobody. If it's at work. No, nobody will know. <laughs> number five, takeout menus. Takeout menus? Mm-hmm. I've what got a mean? few of those in my in my kitchen drawer. Yeah, like, once a long time ago, you know, you Did couldn't you just, just write this list. Once a long time ago, you couldn't get on the internet and say, give me the menu to such and such. They actually made paper copies. And when you oh. went, to, when you went there to get your food, you got one. That way the next time you had the menu. Yeah. We had a China walk menu at my house growing up. I know what you mean now. I don't know what I thought you were saying. How are those not more abundant that there's a list saying that, People don't have them anymore. You can I've Google about... a menu for anywhere. Yeah, but I've got okay. Or like DoorDash. I don't, I, I don't. I don't think that this this list is really accurate. I've got three of those five items. Yeah, but one of them's three years outdated, which speaks for itself. It just said the five items that said how many of these you got in your home. Well, you ain't gotta get I, hot about it, James. I was just telling somebody something that maybe they needed to know. Guys, this is. The Slashers and Screamers podcast. We're a slasher sports production. We bring you a variety of works for your entertainment from Milwaukee Brewers baseball to this very show where we review your and our favorite horror flicks of all time. Find us on the World Wide Web at SlasherSports.com, on Twitter at SlasherSports, on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at SlasherSportsMedia. Now, Rick, let's tell the public what's causing all this with Rick's rundown. All right. Uh, this week we reviewed the 1974 film Black Black Christmas. Um, it is a Canadian slasher. It was directed by Bob Clark. He's most well known for um, Porky's, A Christmas Story, Murder by Decree. Uh, this movie was only on a budget of six hundred twenty thousand dollars. It grossed over four four point one million at the box office, and. Um, the actors and actresses in this are pretty big, so I'm just going to go over really three of them pretty much. Uh, Olivia Hussey, she's an English film and stage and television actress. Uh, she's won a Golden Globe Award. Uh, she's pretty well known on TV and in film. Margot Kidder, she was best known for Lois Lane. 
in the Superman films. She appeared in the first four of them. She was also an activist and a um, actress who won some Daytime Emmy Awards as well. And John Saxon. This guy doesn't need an introduction. He's been in uh, a bazillion things. Um, I'll just mention a couple. He's been in uh, New Nightmare. He's been in From Dusk Until Dawn. He's been in Enter the Dragon. He's been in uh, Death of a Gunfighter. He's been in a lot of westerns, um, a lot of films. I mean, he started in the in the mid fifties. This movie as well. Um, it was released on October eleventh, nineteen seventy four. Uh, it's ninety eight minutes. Um, I wanted to read a really quick anecdote about this uh, from the book, and I'll give this guy credit. It's an awesome book. Our listeners should definitely check it out and give it a read. Go on Amazon and buy it. It's called The Teenage Slasher Movie Book. This is the second edition. It's by J.A. Kirkswell, and it's an amazing book. If you're into slasher movies, I highly suggest it. Um, real quick, uh, Bob Clark's film Black Christmas borrows the earlier film's device of creepy phone calls, later utilized a great effect in When a Stranger Calls and Scream. Um, he has a story of sorority girls who were being menaced just before Christmas holiday, and it's a masterpiece of tension, suspense, and horror. For once, the tagline, if this picture doesn't make your, make your skin crawl, it's on too tight, isn't just for show. Both visually and thematically, it is very much a precursor to Halloween, with the young woman being terrorized by a killer in the previously safe environments during an iconic holiday season. Featuring a lengthy scene, it was shot through his eyes, and he climbs in the sorority house. Um, his film was actually unfairly criticized as being cliched on the release by the American film paper Variety, and they actually said it was a bloody, senseless kill-for-kicks feature that exploited unnecessary violence. It was a modest hit on its release. However, its reputation and importance within the history of the subgenre continued to grow in the years after its release and remained genuinely frightening. Um, so I was just going to read that because it's a pretty cool uh, little anecdote on Black Christmas. But, uh, yeah, that's what we did this week. Good rundown, Rick. Appreciate it, man. Uh, no problem. I wanted to um, plug this book really quick that I think our listeners would like. Um, it is called The Teenage Slasher Movie Book. It's by J.A. Kirk's Well. It's the second edition. Um, go check it out. It's on Amazon for $24.99. It goes from the... 1960s all the way to the newest Halloween in 2018 and it's chocked full of awesome info that you would want to know. Chock full. Nice, that sounds cool. It's the first useful thing you've ever done for me, Rick. I'll I be know, here. right? Don't stop till you get there. Bo Jackson. I very well may hunt that book down. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty awesome. Well, Bill. I mean, What? I was in the Christmas parade yesterday. You were in the parade? Yeah. What the hell are you in the parade for? I was pulling the float for the football, the peewee football. Oh, that makes sense, Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I I thought you were dressed up as Santa or something. Why why are you not dressed up as Santa? Why are you not, like, already the town's go-to Santa? There's already a Santa Claus, Bill. And you can't have any any live Santa Clauses. Huh? What? There cannot be any alive Santa Clauses in the parade. So the, so the guy ones. was dead? Well, there's only one Santa Claus. Oh, so okay. no one else can do it? Like yeah. how at Disney World you can't you can have him. like a You can have like a picture of him, but you can't have a, a live Santa Claus. That's the rules, I guess. You, oh, okay, help me understand this. You, you're not allowed to have a guy dress as Santa Claus for no, the parade? 
Billy, you have to let kids believe in Santa Claus, and if there's a million of them, they're going to get faked out. There's already one Santa Claus, and everybody's waiting to see him, and he's in the very end of the parade. And you can't have a fake Santa in the middle of the parade. That makes sense. That's that's what I'm asking. Why can't you be the real one at the end? Because I'm not the real one, Bill. They've already got one. Is that guy the real one? Yeah. Is there like a Santa Claus alliance that... A North Pole alliance that I don't know about where only alliance licensed Santa Clauses can... Because here's the thing. You got malls across the U.S. You've got got shopping malls across the U.S. and A. Yeah, it's Union. Mind is blown right now. Not just anybody can down the red suit bill. Well, like, what if that's ultimately what got Hoffa killed? Like, it wasn't the labor unions. It was, like, he impersonated Santa Claus one year, and a bunch of little elves came and kneecapped him and gave him concrete shoes. Mm. Good what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Well, listen, Rick just told you. We're here, we're here to talk about Black Christmas. And no, not to be confused with, like, Black Dracula and, you know, flicks like that, which, again, I gotta talk to James Alexander about that, because I would love to review Black Dracula. But this is Black Christmas. Well, and do you know? Too. Oh, excuse yeah. me. Do you know? Oh Lord! Never mind. I'll let you talk. I'm just going. <laughs> <laughs> With this movie, uh, the initial release, it was titled "Silent Night, Evil Night," um, because the American distributors thought that the Black Christmas title may have people mistake it for like a black exploitation film. Yeah, but it was that, changed back. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's good that it was. I mean, I I do like that, you know, play on White Christmas. Um, yeah. This is also a Canadian movie, which I didn't realize until halfway through when I heard someone say about how to go back and look that up. Well, who said that, though? Don't remember. Yeah, because it was Olivia. shot in uh, Montreal. Oh, yeah, and God. apparently the majority of the people in it are Canadian. Some Canadian said it. Minus Olivia Hussey, who is... Uh, Argentinian, but I believe was raised English and definitely had a British accent. Did they explain that and I missed it? No. <laughs> no. They just uh, she, brushed over it completely. Yeah, it's just known that she's British. Yeah. Via. Stations, the Argentinians are at the gate. So, back in 86, um, Olivia Hussey was um, meeting with the producers for the film Roxanne, you know, with Steve Martin. Hussey. I love uh-huh. Steve Martin. I also love Steve Martin. Um, But she was interested in, you know, being cast as Roxanne. And Steve Martin met her and he said, quote, and this is per IMDb, oh my God, Olivia, you were in one of my all-time favorite films. Now, wouldn't one think that he would be talking about Romeo and Juliet? No. I guess. He was talking about Black Christmas. And he said that he'd seen it like 27 times. I love that. I love him. Probably more by now. When I looked this movie up... It sent me to a website, mm. 30, 30 of the best black Christmas movies. The best black Christmas movies? Yeah. There's only like, three, aren't there? Which no, I like didn't a, know there I, I think he means like a, I think he means like a black cast. No. I'm talking about like Medea's Family Christmas and stuff like that. Tell me that wasn't on the list, though. Uh, I can't remember. You remember what was, you remember what the, like the top, remember like the top five? What are the top five from that list? I say Almost Christmas. The Perfect Holiday. End of list. That, that was two. Hang on. Sorry, 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 sorry. Mm. Holiday Rush, Rush, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, The Holiday Calendar. 
Well, there's the five. App that's, the app that's so Christmas, Operation Christmas Drop. I think that's I think seven. we're done. <laughs> I don't think we need all 50. A political aide that is tasked with shutting down a tropical <laughs> base that provides airborne Christmas gifts to people in need right before Christmas. So it's like a shoot off of Operation Dumbo Drop. Yeah. What okay. was that movie, Air America, with Mel Gibson and Robert Downey Jr.? That was a good movie. I thought well, this was a good movie. Yeah. Air America was good. Operation Dumbo Drop was great. Um, But Black Christmas, it was fucking fantastic. And as you might guess, one. you hadn't seen this one? Did you see the 2000-whatever remake? I saw neither of the 2000s remakes. I had not seen any of these. Good. There's Don't another remake? 2000s remakes. I heard the 2019 one is actually not that bad, but it's the middle one that sucks a lot. Wait a minute. The 20 what teen? Nine, uh, mm-hmm. I, could be, I could be wrong. I thought it was 2019. Let me check. There's yeah, 2006 and a 2019. Apparently okay, the, the 2006, 2006 I thought was okay. Terrible. What? Well, I thought pe- it was pretty bad. People thought differently, Billy. Well, I'm seen. got a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Well, I'm judging it off all the hammers in it. Well, that's different. The 2019 one has 39% on Rotten Tomatoes. Still not great. This one had 71%, though. Oh, Lord. This one had 71% on Rotten Tomatoes, which for a horror movie, especially like an, one of the first real slashers, I it's perfectly respectable. Yeah. It's... Yeah, they don't get very high scores. But, um, like, as you might guess, you know, this film takes over, takes place over one of the most important holidays in all the world, Columbus Day. That is not an important holiday. And it didn't even happen. Didn't even happen here. Um, but it does, it takes place on Christmas. All right. And the, the, the first lines of this film, the very first things you hear out of anybody, who left the goddamn front door open? <laughs> <laughs> Setting the expectations early. And the would-be Santa Claus says, what time do the little bastards arrive? This movie's already off to a great start for me. The Santa Claus hates kids taking the Lord's name in vain on Christmas. And we left the door open. Wasting electricity. Three things right there that I love. But, you know, meanwhile, we've got uh, an unknown voyeur slash stalker just kind of chilling outside the house. No backstory to that. Uh, Like, no cold open of any traumatized teen seeing Santa kill his mom or bang his dad. I don't know. Just a creeper doing creeper shit. With a shaky camera, might I add. Was the camera shaky through the whole film? Kind of, but this was especially bad. Every time you're seeing from the killer's perspective, it was pretty rough. Maybe he's got Bell's palsy. You know, I I don't think that's what that is. But maybe I should. I could see how having a paralyzed half of his face would cause the camera to be shaky. Do you mean Parkinson? It was shaky, though. Yeah. Mm. Parkinson's. Amateur gynecologist right there, guys. Listen. I don't look at faces for a living, Bill. <laughs> you sure don't. <laughs> well, you know, I noticed that while the, I guess the opening graphics there, the, you know, the Black Christmas with all the names, you know, the, the opening credits, um, that screen was super shaky. And I thought yeah. to myself, was that specifically done because they want you to think it's the killer looking at the house and like maybe the second time you watch it or maybe it's just shitty camera work. I don't know. They had yet to invent the tripod. Well, the the point of view shot um, when the killer climbs up the house, the rig was actually designed and it was attached to the actor's head. GoPro. That's GoPro before GoPro was GoPro. 
right. the OG GoPro. So, maybe it was intentional. I think I think the camera shaking was meant to be, you know. I think it's definitely meant to be when he's wandering around and you see him doing stuff. Just in the initial where they're showing, like Billy said, the name of the movie and the cast. That was, like, casually shaky. Like, shaky enough to notice, but not, like, shaky cam. Does that make sense? Yeah. I guess if I'm the director... In hindsight, I'm saying, yeah, I meant to do that. It's meant to be like the the, the killers looking at the house. For sure. Fun fact: tripods were invented in 1820. Did you fact check me? <laughs> Old Snopes Brown over there. Tripods were around when this film was produced. Did I would think hear? so, um, because you look they at those old timey, yeah, you look at those old timey pictures, you know, and you've got a, you know, the guy hiding under the little curtain. Behind oh, I the think camera, you had to sit still for a really long time for old pictures too, didn't you? Oh yeah, like a week or so. Yeah. It was something okay, something, something egregious. But you know, as mentioned by uh, Ricardo Montalban over there, we've got Margot Kidder, uh, Donnie, a goddess in her own right. May she rest in peace. She's probably the first Lois Lane that many of us knew. Maybe not you, Casey. Probably saw that damn Tory Hatcher on Lois and Clark. I don't know if I've ever seen a Superman movie, and that's just hitting me right now. Not a one? I don't know if I have. I know her from the Amityville Horror. Okay. I mean, that that would be the preferred place to know her from. I don't think I've this seen any Superman movies, though, because I didn't see, like, Justice League, the other ones. The you didn't see the one where Tom Hardy was, was Superman? What? Tom Hardy's never been Superman. Billy God, James, why don't you shut up? Why don't you just shut your face, James? Why would the you do that to me? Are lost in prehistory. Probably some prototype human knows that when three branches landing, <sighs> they branch braced each other in a stable position. Sometime later, someone tried hanging something from the apex, and so it goes. Thanks, History Channel. Listeners, I have to tell you that Billy and I are fighting because I just found out that Tom Hardy is in the show Peaky Blinders, and his bitch ass didn't tell me i did not realize that i had to be the one very interesting yeah we're talking about a tripod tom hardy okay i love tom hardy i know that's why i I thought i was gonna get you with the 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 superman thing but no james has a swing in through the fucking bar and punch the bartender and smash a mug over his own head and ruin the day (laughs) but hey uh Margot Kidder's wearing a wearing a choker in this first opening scene. You know that, that means she's good to go, right? I mean, she enjoys fashion and likes necklaces. What about Olivia Hussey? Let's what still, about Rick, her? She, she's still beautiful. Rick, this film has no shortage of absolute hammers. Okay, like <clears throat> That's what I'm the large the large majority might be turbo bitches, but hey, I, I'm down with a little mistreatment. I mean, I being love on the bit. Being on the business end of some well thought out insults, I'm down with it. Who's with me? Yeah, yeah. Andrea Martin though, with that hair, mm-hmm. babe. Oh, listen, listen. Andrea Martin uh, plays uh, Phyllis or Phil. Uh, you'll know her from that. You know the immaculate curls and the glasses, absolute ball peen hammer. And I feel like it might fly under the radar because of the cast here. Um, Not my radar. No, I wouldn't think so. Um, I, I never saw her with those curls after this flick, but damn. Um, Rick, James, James, Rick, what's the verdict on Phil? Mistletoe or mistle no? Mistletoe. Yeah. Who? 
The one with the curly hair, with like the God curly it, short dude. hair. As if I didn't give enough of an explanation of who I was talking about. What's her name? Andrea Martin. Andrea Martin. Phyllis in Black Christmas, James. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I Christmas. guess I should have said Phyllis. Might be. The only she does one a lot of with curls acting. and glasses. Ton yeah, of voice is. acting. Like a lot of Nickelodeon stuff. I didn't realize stuff. that. Yeah, I had no, she, I'm looking at it now. Masters of the Universe. Is she? As She-Ra. Nuh-uh. I wouldn't doubt it, man, because she's doing a lot of those... Um, you know, done a lot of those cartoon voiceovers. Damn, is she really doing that, Masters of the Universe? Yeah. Missile okay. Code. See, I, I knew you could get behind it, James. So we already mentioned Margot Kidder, who plays Barb, but uh, Black Christmas wasn't her only horror credit. Uh, she was Laurie Strode's psychiatrist, I think, in Rob Zombie's Halloween 2. Oh, shit. That was Yeah. Her. Of course, oh, she said. got a on her. I think that's hot, though. Are we still on Andrea Martin, or are we back on Margot Mar- Kidder? She got a tripod for a nose, Bill. Come on. That's I'm mean. okay with it. You you already you already deemed it mistletoe, though, so you can't take it back. Quincy's no star. <clears throat> She's a Triple H of uh, this picture. <laughs> She's not the Triple H of this picture, James. <laughs> she is not the Triple H. <laughs> Woo, that's a good one. Now, you tell Definitely. me who the Triple H is of this damn picture, then. Um... I'm sitting here looking at all this cast. Uh, how about seen schnoz like the schnoz I seen on that one? Well, we've got Keir Delia. Okay, let's talk about him for a minute. Like there aren't like many hammers of the penile persuasion on my hammer list, but sometimes you just got to give credit where it's due. And like this man's got them steel blue eyes that say, "I'll break into your home, cut your throat in your sleep, slap your wife, kick your dog." Make myself a sandwich, and you will thank me for it. And I'll be wearing an immaculate turtleneck the whole time. The whole time. And, of course, Rick mentioned Keir is best known for, uh, you know, other than his eyes. I, I think you mentioned 2001 A Space Odyssey. I don't know if you did mention that, Rick. Did you? Uh, no, because I mentioned the other huge person, John Saxon. That is true. So, yes, 2001 A Space Odyssey, the, uh, the Kubrick sci-fi jam <clears throat> title role there. You're not uh, the lead role, rather not title. His name isn't 2001. Um, where are we at on uh, where are we at on Dalia? He looks very different in this movie than he did in 2001. Well, we all change. I look different than I did in 2001. Well, well, that brings me to my hammer for Black Christmas. Can anybody think of what they were doing when they were 15? Me personally? Yes, you personally. Um, nothing beneficial to my later years. Mm-mm. Well, Olivia Hussey was out there just winning Golden Globes, okay? She played Juliet in, per IMDb, one of the most celebrated roles ever written in the English language. That almost sounds like one of those uh, Will Ferrell, Dr. James Lipton quotes. Greatest movie <laughs> written by humans, but for Romeo and Juliet in 1968. I'm pretty sure that was only like two years removed from having men play all the parts. Pretty sure that's accurate. Two. Yeah, two years. But, yeah, Olivia Hussey, Hammer of the Gods. Hussey. She's your number one? What's, yeah, yeah, that that's numero uno. Mm. What say thee? Oh, nah. I agree. She's, 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 she's still, well, I mean, Rick she's can't still even get it out. Even, she's <laughs> still stunning even, and she's 70 today. She still looks good. <clears throat> Calm down, Rick. He's sitting over there. That thing's so hard, a cat couldn't scratch it. Calm <laughs> down, Rick. <laughs> I feel sorry for the cat. Yeah. But she's gorgeous in Romeo and Juliet. When he watched yeah, the freshman it, year in high school, I was like, damn, hello. 
that was the one we watched too. But you know, I I felt even worse. Like I felt 20 times worse as like, you know, the the way I felt like seeing her in Jesus of Nazareth on TV. (laughs) Like, I'm like, whoa, (laughs) this is some sin waiting to happen. And here I am watching a Jesus TV show and wanting to treat my body like an amusement park. James, who is your hammer nomination? James, James, did you watch this movie? Romeo and Juliet. Okay. I'll take that as a no. Agreed. So Olivia plays Jess in Black Christmas. And we're talking about... John. Definitely not. But we're talking about Thor's hammer right here, okay? She gets my vote, you know, in in this thing, looking only as she can look all the way live. But this whole thing's an ensemble, you know? Um, Those are just some of the standouts. And these standouts early on are getting these obscene, moaning phone calls. Now, we've already seen someone sneaking in the house. This phone call would suggest, unless I don't know anything about phones, that there's someone outside the house, too. If we're to assume this prank caller's up to no good, right? And this prank caller is nasty. Oh, he's he's downright filthy. Well, and I was kind of surprised at the use of the word cunt. Did that, like, throw you guys off a little bit for it to be, like, the mid-70s and them to use that just, like, real casually? Oh, I unzipped immediately. I mean, uh, pride and throw off like, our, our, our Australian listeners. Yeah, well, okay. I, I bet it was Olivia Hussey that said, hey, over in England, they use this word like a the. Right. In Canada, though? Don't know. Well, it's, you know, British Columbia, so. <laughs> well, I pulled that out of my ass quick. <laughs> I'm so proud of myself there. But did anybody catch Margot Kidder's Dorothy's Bornak moment here? <laughs> I had to listen to it twice just to get the proper laughs out of it. But somebody asked if, uh, could, could it just be one person? And she replies, oh, I no. I really hard at this. <laughs> she said, no. It's the Mormon Tabernacle Choir doing their annual obscene phone call. I felt <laughs> like that was like the Dorothy's Bornak moment. It was. I agree. I appreciated it so much. No, that was really funny, though. But the phone call is, like, obviously it's obscene, but listening to it, I was like, holy shit, this is really gross. Yeah, and it it kind of lets you know, though, what kind of movie you're in for. Like, this, True. this isn't just your run-of-the-mill scary movie. No, like, they're going to get filthy. Like, don't don't let this group of women, these women actors, come in and make you think that you're watching some bubblegummy type, you know, movie. No, they're fucking getting down and dirty and you got the right fucking cast for it. But, you know, Margot also had a fail later on when she wakes up from her nightmare. Uh, she said, I dreamt a stranger came into my room. I saw him and that's what gave me asthma. That's how that works. Yeah. Like not an asthma attack, but that's what caused the actual asthma that she's already got an inhaler for. So I, I like to kind of cancel those two out. The Zbornak moment was fantastic. But, you know, you, you were talking about the language and, the, like, the language on this prank call makes me, like, makes even me blush. Like, but she says, why don't you go stick your tongue in a wall socket? And please, I know a professional virgin when I see one. Barb's already got the answers. So they're they're in good hands with the comebacks. I thought um, it was interesting because the girls react pretty blase to like they're not shocked they're not really terribly put off like they, they're they quick with a comeback but finding out later the original script uh that they filmed with the phone calls was not nearly as vulgar um the director read out some dialogue but they added 
in post-production, the what, the coarse language that we hear when we watch the movie. So, because I was like, damn, I think I'd at least, like, make a face or something if someone said something like that. Like, some of the nasty-ass shit that he was saying, like, I think I would, you know. No, you're, you're not wrong. They made a few changes to this to this film. Um, and one of them was, like, you know, the kills were originally going to be a lot more gruesome. They dialed that back a little bit. You would have thought maybe the language would have been the same thing. Or maybe they said, we'll compromise. We'll clean up the kills um, and just double down on the bad language. Apparently. Well, one of the girls, Claire, is off put by Barb and goes to finish packing. And that's one of the rules. You don't break away from the group. Even if you don't realize you're in a horror flick, you don't break away from the group. She gets suffocated with a plastic dress cover. I, I don't know what you call them. Um, but there's a killer in the house and he's hiding up in the attic. It's a cool looking kill. And they show just enough of it to make it look convincing. Well, and we go on to see her in the plastic bag later in the movie which looks multiple very times. cool yeah multiple times um which looks very cool apparently she had to poke a hole in it so she could you know lie there and breathe but it's also um if you look at the uh like the poster for the movie it's a little drawn version i know billy's got it up behind him for us to see but y'all can't uh if you look at the movie poster it's got the little her sitting in a rocking chair with the plastic bag over her face yeah totally That's used to sell this flick a garment bag. There you go. See, I needed that. I mean, it's a it's a great kill. I mean, if you think of slasher movie kills, most people don't get suffocated by a plastic bag. It's not my only favorite of... kill of the movie, but I give it like four slashes. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. early. I'll, I'll take four. Four sounds good to me. Yeah, I ain't buying none of it, Bill. All kinds of people have been strangulated by a plastic bag. Okay, give me some examples. Yeah, I can please. think of. I can think of Child's Play. There's I one. love Child's Play. No, you don't get to take credit for mine, James. There, there have been plenty, so you need to tell me what are the other plenty. I said Child's Play. Give me more. I didn't think so, you rat bastard. <laughs> but looking James at the women said, in this movie, you know, we talk about, it's a yes, sorority house, right? Um, and we've got, like, the house mom and everything. And I thought it was cool reading the trivia, um... Bob Clark, who directed the movie, set a rule for himself that when writing the characters, he never wanted to objectify them sexually or give them nude scenes. He wanted them to come off as real people and not disposable horror characters waiting to die. And we do see a fair amount of, you know, female characters in horror movies that are, in Billy's words, do nothing bitches, um, who aren't really representative of their own opinions, thoughts you know, actions and are just kind of there to move the plot along by being murdered. And I felt like these girls were like, for what we see of them relatively well-developed. Like we see personality out of them. We see them interact with each other. We've got this whole plot line about this girl wanting to get an abortion, which is really timely because Roe v. Wade was in 73, I think. And this is 74. Oh yeah. It's fr- it's fresh on the mind. Yeah. I've developed. All right. <laughs> And this, but this group of actors is, is uh, very seasoned. Like th- these yeah. aren't just, you know, th- this isn't like watching the OC or something where this is like their Whoa. breakout. Oh, well, hang on. Like that, that whole show is uh, full of brand same. new actors. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure what you were saying about the OC and I immediately was up in arms. Man. Defend the OC till I die. Offensive coordinators. Yeah. That's what the show's about. <laughs> Marsha, is that a football is show? Misha Barton. <laughs> Misha Barton's an offensive coordinator. Football show. And the guy that, the 
See? And the guy that plays um uh Commissioner Gordon on uh on Gotham. I don't watch Gotham. Oh, Jim Jack, Gordon. He's not Jack LaRue. <laughs> Who? Billy Jack LaRue. These actors what? are more seasoned than that pork butt I smoked earlier. <laughs> Okay, so like the panic is delayed after you know Claire's murder because nobody's going to find her immediately. It's going to take a while. She's behind a locked bedroom door. Corpse rocking in. Yeah, okay. Uh, It was going to come to me eventually. I didn't realize he was in Gotham. Makes me want to watch Gotham. Anyway, go on. Hmm. Well, so Claire's corpse is rocking in a chair with plastic over her face, and her poor dad's there looking for her. Um, like nobody ever just decides to bang on the door. Rocking around the Christmas tree. So having seen Scream well prior to ever seeing this, I can really only I can really only draw comparisons to that after Jess's boyfriend Peter calls her on the phone. Like the signs of him not being there and just knowing the crazy boyfriend trope has been, you know, it had to originate somewhere. Like it's got me suspicious of Pete and I don't even know him yet. But anybody else feel that early on, like immediately from the phone call? You didn't get that from him personally? He was kind of a weird dude. You hadn't seen him yet. No, I know, but it didn't also occur to you later on. Well, I'm saying at this point in the movie, at the point, at the time of the phone call, I'm getting a thought that, okay, this is the boyfriend on the phone. He's not present. The, the, the crazy boyfriend thing has been done to death over the years and it had to originate somewhere. So why not originate at the, uh, you know, one of the first real slasher films? I did not think that. I thought it later when we met him. Okay. See, I was thinking but, it on the phone call. Yeah. Well, we've got more reason to suspect him, though. Like, just pregnant. Oh, shut up, James. I thought it, and I know somebody else thought it. Oh, nobody got, else podcast. Well, we've, <laughs> we've got reason to suspect Peter now, though, because Jess is pregnant uh, with his baby, and she wants to get an abortion. Peter wants to have the baby. They don't see eye to eye. They could sure this be don't. Motive, yeah, could this be motive to kill? Like, you kill my baby, I'll, I kill you and your sorority sisters. Like, I know Why'd the conversation you... happens after the first death, but like, was there prior knowledge of the pregnancy? That don't make no sense, Bill. It could make sense. Was there prior knowledge of the pregnancy uh, you know, prior to the phone call? Why would you or... kill her if you want the baby? She has to have the baby before you kill her. Because she's going to yes. have an abortion. She's going to have an abortion. <laughs> Like, if you're going to kill my baby, I'm going to kill you. Whoa. Well, not you guys. Hard. Well, yeah, but we're talking about a movie about murder, James. Murder. Who did it? Well, Who did do it? Are we playing Crack the Case? <laughs> so Barb and company are at the police station to declare Claire missing. To declare Claire missing. Did you do that on purpose or did it just happen? It just happened. I don't remember the context, but why was Barb giving the officer some password? It was fellatio something. It was fellatio. Um, I why think was she, she giving the password? She, um, I think she's funny. I think she knows she's funny, and I think she but did it on what was the password purpose. for? What was the password for, though? Was it a phone thing? It could have been. I thought it was, I, like, some kind of phone situation that old people would know about. You know, hearing the word fellatio reminds me. Um, I don't know what I want to hear from this. Well, whatever it is, you're going to love it. So when um, I used to be a little more churchy than I am now, and I I remember this lady asked me, what is my church's 
attitude towards fellatio? That is such a specific question. <laughs> Why would somebody ask you that? Who asked so, you this? So, I said, well, you know, I'd like to tell you, but unfortunately, I don't know what fellatio is. And so... How old are you she, here? Uh, so she showed me. <laughs> Billy, I hate your ass. <laughs> and now... Bold face any, lie to me. <laughs> and now anytime someone asks me what is the church's idea towards <laughs> fellatio, I respond, well, you know, I'd like to tell you, <laughs> but unfortunately... I don't know what fellatio is. You're oh. annoying. <laughs> Guys, well, that would be... Good. That was great. That would be an old bit from uh, Rowan Atkinson. Oh. And it just reminded me of that. Do you know who Rowan Atkinson is, Casey? Yeah, he's Mr. Bean, and also I think he's Zazu in The Lion King. Uh, and Johnny English. Yeah, that's that's the guy. He had a stand-up routine like in the early 90s. More like a, like various bits. And he played a, a priest in one of them, and he told that joke. Well, you know, ah. I'd like to tell you. Okay, <laughs> so Jess goes to the hockey rink to ask about Claire, and I'm guessing this is what, Claire's boyfriend playing hockey? Presumably. Yeah, okay, so, like, okay, he's wearing the hockey mask, and it's not unlike... <laughs> and not unlike the one that Jason Voorhees would wear. So, seeing this scene, I kind of had a flash moment where... I don't really watch hockey. I keep saying this is going to be the year that I get into hockey, but so far I haven't. I don't really watch hockey. I realized that the only real connotation I have for a hockey mask is Jason. So when I saw this, I was like, wait, this is before Friday the 13th, part three. But then I remembered that, oh, yeah, hockey masks are a thing outside of the Friday the 13th franchise. And what's wild to me, and what's wild to me, is that mask is what goalies would wear back then. It's wild, because man. Wild. Now they wear a whole protective helmet with a face mask on it. And, and before that, they didn't even wear any masks, which is insane. And before, yeah. Like, so you're just God. getting popped in the teeth by a hockey puck? No, yeah. That you. is why hockey players were infamous for having no teeth. Ugh, that sucks. Mm. But and before listen, they swam around and played. <laughs> what? Before I'm they guessing fr- before the water froze. Before they oh. froze the ice. Okay. So listen, if they don't want me to think Peter's behind all of this, they're doing a terrible job with the piano scene. Holy like, shit, that scene was so intense. Yeah, he's playing for this panel of judges. I think Simon Cowell's one of them. Paul Abdul <laughs> wasn't there because like, there's only room for one drunk lady in this film. But she's like he's sweating his balls off. He, he's sweating like he's, he's shitting out so a hand grenade. Sweaty. I was. Yeah. We were, I watched this with a small group of people. We were laughing a lot about the fact that this man is drenched in sweat. We get it, Casey. You got friends. <laughs> well, good camp going. I will brag once more, Billy, which is that our friend of the pod, Stephen, who is Ooh. Swords on Twitch. <laughs> Not old Steven. Steven said that the guy saying like all the weird things, including the word Billy, should be your ringtone. <laughs> I would like that. <laughs> if I liked ringtones, I would love that. <laughs> I haven't had a ringtone since I don't know when, but I can tell you right now that I'm not in any hurry to get another one. But if I did, that would be it. What was I your last ringtone? ringtone? 
You have a ringtone last... now in the year of our Lord 2021, Rick? Yeah, what is my it? ringtone is the Halloween theme. Of course it is. Y'all don't have mine ringtones? Was... What do you... Nah, my I, phone is on I... vibrate at all times. And yeah, mine's not. I'll check it periodically, and that's it. I, I, Billy, like the, what the was rant, your last ringtone? The, the codex sound from Metal Gear Solid. Oh, I, don't know what that is. I had a ringtone. What well, was your last best, ringtone? The best sound ever invented. I don't know. If that's the last true. ringtone I had was Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> and Jingle All the Way saying, Put that cookie down now! <laughs> <laughs> and it just replay that over and over. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a good one. It's it's pretty good, James. You remember it's when they used good. to have a uh, what was that thing called when you called and got a got a tone? ring back? I had a ring back tone one time. What was? I'm it? trying to remember what that was, James. Tone. I remember calling you and you had a ring back tone. I can't remember what it was though. <clears throat> hey Billy, was it this? Oh God, don't do that! I hate that. Yeah, that's the very one. Hell yeah. That's when you know Colonel Campbell's calling your ass and you better answer him. Y'all had weird ringtones, not just like normal songs. Was it Push It or was it something Salt and Pepper or was it something else? Salt and Pepper. God, you fucking. (laughs) Salt and Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so horny. I'm so horny. (laughs) No, that one. (laughs) Well, that would be me so, not I'm so. Oh, that's what it was. Oh, makes a horny. Oh my god, that's a mess. <laughs> Y'all had weird ass ringtones. The last <laughs> ring back tone I had was a Steve Earle song, Guitar Town. I, ne- I never oh, had a ring back rude. tone, just ringtones. Mm. So, Barb, aka uh, Margot Kidder, is going through some, uh, some emotions here. She's jokey one minute, defensive the next. Um, you know, basically about having insulted Claire earlier, which means if she doesn't insult Claire, Claire doesn't go upstairs to pack, which means she doesn't get asphyxiated. Okay, nothing makes murder, uh, you know, from the outside easier than turmoil from the inside. That makes sense. Mm, it's deep. So the search is on for Claire. Okay, we've got the sorority sisters, Claire's father, uh, Mr. Roper from Enter the Dragon. Hell, we might have to, you know, Mr. Roper from Three's Company. A lot of people... And we've left Mrs. Mac back at the house with a man skulking around outside. Maybe Peter? I don't know. Mrs. Mac, who is drinking on the low. Oh, drinking on the low, on the high, and everywhere. She's got alcohol hidden everywhere. In a Bible. In the toilet. Oh, yeah, the toilet. <laughs> yeah. Mm. But, you know, I'm, I thought our killer was inside the whole time. And I'm losing track of, you know, the stalker logic. He's inside, he's outside, he's inside while outside phone calls are coming in. Like, who's keeping up with him? Because I'm not. I just know that that man is everywhere. Like Santa Claus. Aww. That's kind right? It was, it was, it was, and I'm glad I thought of it. Um, But Mrs. Mack gets the suspicion and heads up to the attic where she finds Claire's body. And somehow... Sees the killer after doing a full 180 to see him behind her. Like, I, I don't, this, this little scene bothered me. Basically, bothered she's me sticking too. her, yeah, she's sticking her head up. She's looking at 12 o'clock. The killer is at like five o'clock, maybe even six. And she turns around like she just knows the eyes are on her. 
but she got taken out with a hook on a pulley. Here's the thing. Why did they have that in a sorority house? It was uh, the 70s. Yeah. What, is, what do you mean it was the 70s? They just had meat hooks in the 70s in every home? I think there was a cargo hook of some kind to pull well, up. I like, don't know what that means. Boxes and stuff like that. <clears throat> like heavy boxes. Pull up to where? The attic. Oh, I didn't know that was a thing. We just have a ladder. I just made it up. I don't know. It makes sense I to me, though. I hate you. I didn't. I mean, I'm not made it up as a lie. I'm just saying, like, that's what I think. Oh. Well, I was confused as to why they had that in a sorority house, but that makes a little more sense if that's what it was. Crane hook is what there Wikipedia you go. calls it. Yeah, crane hook sounds right to me. Now I'm Googling um, what a crane hook is. Well, you know, that kill would have been an excellent visual, but I guess we're still keeping it subtle at this point. Uh, we know that they kind of pulled back from, you know, some of the kills, but this one could have been good. But we do see the aftermath later on. She's kind of hanging from that thing. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of worried at this point now because, like, Jess is in the house alone right after this. And I just know she's next and I don't want it. Is it because she's what cute? Happens? Yes. But what yeah, happens? Like, she's calling in the prank call report and someone's sneaking up behind her down the stairs. It's false finish, though, because it's Peter. First, what's he doing upstairs? What's he doing being, in the house? Being yeah, a fucking he, weirdo? Yeah, being a fucking weirdo. And this, like, okay, so is he killing people and why? Your questions can end in yes, no, yes and no, and irrelevant. <laughs> um, He's such a fucking weirdo. I did initially think that um, because he's fucking weird and because we see him, like, kind of patrolling the house in weird ways coming out of nowhere but also i'd like to note that the cops who they contact about these calls and that they're being harassed and threatened and stuff um they are not taking these women seriously no this is the same situation as when a stranger calls like it, yeah the, the least helpful yeah the least helpful operator dispatcher there could be and you get him but you know least peter's leaving the conservatory too. Oh, so uninterested. But, you know, Peter's leaving the conservatory. Like, he wants to marry Jess, which she doesn't want. And now his last hope is the baby. That's like strikes one, two, and three right there. So if all of this happens before our eyes, before the grizzly murders, like, we've got more than enough motive to kill, right? Right. I would hope so. So I, I, I don't know how long their conversation had been about the baby. Like, we don't know if he had just learned about it. Surely he didn't just hear about it on the phone call at the beginning surely that was like a second or third conversation and he's just trying to rehash it by the time that phone call rolls around i kind of assumed that it was his first time hearing of it just because of how like fired up he was that it felt like an initial reaction to me what a shitty way it's not a great way yeah not a great way but you know lieutenant ken fuller aka roper from enter the dragon aka john by god saxon He's on AKA the scene. AKA the man who's been in everything. Everything. Beverly Hills Cop 3, I'm pretty sure he was in that. Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. John Saxon's a fucking legend. Is he still alive? No, he died uh He died pretty year. recently, in, didn't he? In, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's sad. Why? The ship came in. Complications from pneumonia. That's sad. Mm. Did he live here? Why yeah, did he, he live in Murfreesboro? Murfreesboro? Why? Because he wanted to get away from California because his wife was tired of it. And he was driven to Murfreesboro, Tennessee? Murfreesboro is kind of uppity. Okay. Yeah. Am I wrong? Not the parts that I've been to. Am but I wrong? Sure. Am I right? So, they've got the phones tapped. And, oh boy. 
<laughs> you okay over there, James? Need need a juice box? <laughs> Hong Kong Fooey, number one superhero guy. Y'all remember Hong so, Kong Fooey? No idea. No idea. Really? What, how did how did that come up in, in your mind, James? The guy, the Hong Kong Fooey. What about this? Enter the Dragon, their fucking thing is. So we bring up one movie made in Hong Kong. Actually, was that a Hong Kong flick or was that a Hollywood flick? Hong Kong Fooey. He was a janitor. This ties into several different things, Bill. He was a dog. Enlighten me. He was a dog janitor. And when trouble started, he would jump into a filing cabinet in the top and come out the bottom, Hong Kong Fooey. You know, dressed up, cabinet. <clears throat> dressed up in a gi and such. And he would go, hey, ah! And he chopped the bad guy, Bill. This is a cartoon. Billy, yeah, I'm sorry, uh, It was Hong Kong. Entered the Dragon was Hong Kong? In U.S. It was, yeah. it was filmed in Hong Kong and released in L.A., or premiered in L.A., apparently. <clears throat> okay. I guess my question is more like, who made the movie? Was it a Hollywood studio, or was it... It says one Warner of Brothers. Movies? Okay, that's what I thought. I thought it was a, a Hollywood movie, but I wasn't sure. Um, that's obviously how they got John Saxon and uh, Jim Kelly um, and the uh, the American part of the cast. Chuck Norris. But Chuck Norris was definitely not in Enter the Dragon. What What was the karate movie with uh, uh, Jim Kelly? Uh, wasn't that Game of Death? It was something. That was. I don't, uh, uh, I don't think it was the Chinese level, Connection. The 18th level of Buddha. You ever seen that one, Bill? Never. But listen, Not when this prank can caller level of listen, Buddha. listen, listen, listen. When this prank caller calls back, all we got to do is keep him on the line, and he's as good as cooked, right? I've always kind of liked these scenes. Like guy calls in, we see the victim trying to keep him on the phone long enough to get a triangulated coordinate on the grid. Always really good suspense. They kind of lose it all. in twenty-four, Bill. Every well, damn episode. Yeah, Turn it happens on twenty-four. But it I'm also happens. It happens on every movie, though, where they've got a you know a, a prank caller, doesn't it? You're getting ready to triangle at you, Bill. Well, part of me was hoping all the little Christmas carolers were collectively the killer. Oh my god, I <laughs> love them. You did you really? Okay, specifically. Okay, let me. Specifically, I love the girl getting hacked up while those little kids are singing. That scene. Well, was that scene's so fantastic. Cool. Five slashes. Yeah, six if we can give six extra credit. Poor Barb. Yeah, yeah. The 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 little glass unicorn going in and out of her chest. I mean, listen, all those little kids were creatures, but that scene was fantastic. What say Loved you, it. James and Rick? Oh, it's a it's a great scene. Five for sure. James didn't watch the movie, so I bet you he didn't. <laughs> <clears throat> what is it? I've been interrupted by ice, Nothing. ice cream. No, it's all good. You ain't so, got while Je- so while Jess is distracted by the bad singing, the James <laughs> is distracted by some ice cream. James is distracted by some ice cream. The stranger is back with his asthma attack. You know, repeatedly stabs Barb to death in her own bed with a glass unicorn in a masterfully shot scene. But in an aggressive whisper, he announces that his name is Billy. Shout out. So. Shout out, yeah, thanks. Um, is this do what we your know? Named you after? Probably, probably. But do we know who this guy is yet? Though, like, I don't know if a Billy was ever talked about, and we didn't get any kind of cold open to explain any past transgressions. 
I don't remember as many times I've seen this mentioned to Billy at all. I mean, other than when he says no. He's supposed well, to be the man upstairs, right? I mean, like, if we're looking at the urban legend, which, shout out to our first episode. Hoorah. When a stranger calls. But, I mean, he's just kind of the man upstairs character, right? Yeah, yeah. No uh, no relationship to anybody, uh, any victim or anything like that? I think it's kind of interesting because the characters, you know, who he is and what is making him do these things, they were intentionally omitted. Because filmmakers and creators of the movie felt that it made him more frightening, which critics and art historians have noted that by leaving the character like that, it lets us place our own fears on the character. So basically we project what we're scared of onto him, which is always interesting. I think it's cool when movies do that by not, you know, not naming the title character or giving any descriptions of characters and books so you can imagine them yourselves and create your own fears and motivations for the character. Hmm. In other words, the man upstairs is actually a Sasquatch for James. He could be a killer clown for me. He could be... I'm not scared of Sasquatch, Bill. He could be a driving test for you, Casey. He could be a, a, a height requirement for a roller coaster for Rick. It really is our drive. own drive. <laughs> Asshole. <laughs> oh, God. You don't well, even we get... feel that way about women. <laughs> I know. Isn't that the crazy part of it all? You love women. You are like... I, like, listen, the most important people in my life <laughs> are women. You're just an <laughs> asshole to be an asshole. And I just do it for the reaction. I don't, like, it's it's a problem I have. <laughs> like, no brothers, all sisters. Um, <laughs> Like, okay, two nephews, but... Uh, they came along later, uh, or, you know, the second one came along later. I've got, you know, multiple nieces, and <laughs> so, like, what am I doing? I think I just do it for the punchline. Because you're annoying. His hatred for women started at an early age. <laughs> when he realized he was outnumbered in the household. Billy like the Stewie. phone caller might have a hatred of women from an early age, though, because he sure is murdering them. Yeah, at a sorority, and we get the long-awaited post-tapped line phone call. Uh, a lot of bad audio, inaudible dialogue, jitter, jittery mumbling. Like, I can't make it out, but they can't triangulate because Jess couldn't keep them on the line long enough. Who saw that coming? I thought I was watching an episode of this podcast. I don't you know, know what you mean by that. I'm going to take it as a, as a compliment. compliment. So we're not the only ones that have questioned Peter, though. Like, even Jess and Phil have some suspicions. Like, even if they aren't strong suspicions, uh, Lieutenant Fuller's got the same suspicions, but they're a little bit stronger. Because he wants to focus on the abortion motive. Like, he's questioning the alibi, but Jess is sure it can't be Peter because he was there at one of the times of the prior calls. So, do you think that this is the movie kind of diverting us away from Peter? Because I think they went out of their way to make it look like he's guilty. And then they purposely give him the alibi. It does kind of go back to the Billy and Stu thing from Scream. Mm. Makes you think it's the boyfriend, but maybe it's someone else. Boo. Yeah, Scream put too much in my mind when I was trying to piece this together. But, you know, all good well, things Scream must come to an end. features a sorority house, too. A, well, you know, I saw Scream 2 before I saw this one. So I'm probably um, coerced into believing certain things based off of a, you know, a, a preconceived notion. Yeah. M maybe by accident, you know? 
But, you know, our, uh, or at least my second hammer in command, and man, is it close. Phil goes to check on Barb, where she is, she's implicitly attacked. Um, all we see is the door close behind her and Phil with a startled look as the door shuts. But, like all the kills prior, this one's followed by another phone call with the nonsensical ramblings of the killer. Like, why the screams can't be heard in the house, I don't know. But this time they're able to trace the call. And where the call's coming from? Inside the house. But that can't be right. That's No, I ho- love that the, part. That house is like, where the, the calls are going to. Yeah, he's like, the calls are coming or going to that house, you idiot. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 that's where they're coming from. Because they've already kind of set this guy up to be an idiot because he was the one who fell for the fellatio joke, right? So they, yeah. and they said he couldn't, what they say? He couldn't, uh... Damn, there's a part where they say something to him and they're like, you something couldn't with do this if it was, yes. He and it couldn't was do really something funny. with instructions. Like, you couldn't pull piss out of a boot if the instructions were written on the heel. That's one that it, comes to mind, but that's not what he said. It was something like that, but it wasn't that. Um, but it was really funny. But they've already kind of set this guy up to be a dumbass. So when he says like, oh, the calls are, you know, coming from 122 Water's Edge Lane. And they're like, no, that's where they're going to. And he's like, well, they're coming from there too. <laughs> You know, okay, Casey, let me ask you a question. No. Why do women... Why do we, Billy? I don't know, but the officer that you're talking about there, he tells very clearly, Jess, um, in the clearest fashion possible, do as I say, no questions, just hang up the phone, walk to the front door, and leave the house. And he says it slowly, so she has no excuse not to understand. Not that she's stupid or anything. But she but, knows her friends are still in the house. Uh, first thing she says, well, what's wrong? God damn it, Jess. And I then she the says, thing, well, I'll just go get Phil and Barb. Ah, oh, you stupid, stupid hammer. I are don't like to be dis- you saying that you would not also be concerned for the other people in the house and want to go save them too? I just don't like to be disillusioned by my hammer picks, and this one did it. Sometimes you fall in love with dummies. Mm, that's me and James but I'd probably do the, I'd probably do the same shit, so I'm the dummy. Well, she doesn't listen. She goes up the stairs, opens Barb's door, and finds her and Phil in bloody messes on the bed, placed there by the killer who's hiding behind the bedroom door. Now, we can, we still only see an eyeball, but we have a to know it's an eyeball. A, oh, gosh. It, like, it, it could have been like one of those cartoons where, like, the eyeball comes out of the hole and, like, looks at you. Um... But we know it's not Peter because the eye color's brown. Not that I'm going to expect perfect continuity from a genre where we should never, ever put logic into an illogical situation. But Damn, he did have, like, ice blue eyes. I mean, steel blue. Like, I didn't we're relieving... that at all. Yeah, so we're relieving Peter of a suspected part in this at this point, right? Wrong. I wasn't because I'm stupid. Okay, well, uh, be that as it may not be, um... In the Did case you guys you catch that, that, James and Rick? Well, Rick. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't. It's been Rick a while since I watched know. this. Coming back to it, um, but I remember now that you guys are talking about it. Yeah, but I didn't. I didn't catch it yesterday. Honestly, no. Damn. James didn't even know he had eyes. <laughs> <laughs> What's y'all's favorite type of ice cream? Oh my god, Cherry Garcia, right. Neapolitan. Which um, part of the Neapolitan? Strawberry. Uh, Strawberry. That's my brother's mm. favorite part of the Neapolitan also. I like moose tracks. Are those peanut butter or caramel? Uh, they're like the peanut butter cups, right? Okay, I like those too. Uh, 
honorable mention to uh, Rocky Road, though. Very I like close strawberry. If I'm not eating Cherry Garcia, I like Strawberry best. Cherry Garcia. I like Orange Sherbet too. Sherbet. <laughs> huh? Sherbet. Oh, well, you you said uh, caramel or whatever. You said it weird. So caramel. We're, we're not starting this. <laughs> oh, how do you say car- caramel? Caramel. Caramel. I say three syllables, but still with a R instead of a air. Billy. Is it by itself or on an apple? Wait, you say a different? Yeah. Okay, apple. Caramel. And regular is caramel. If it's just like if it's just like one of those little squares from uh, what is the Werther's um, Originals or whatever. No, nah, those are the little circular oval things. Talk about these little square cubes. Uh, well, <laughs> square cubes. These cube uh, caramels that can't you know just uh, chewables. Chewables. It's all chewable. Uh, they're little caramel chews. I can't remember the brand name. But, uh, yeah, that, those are caramel, and then what goes on an apple is caramel. James. Caramel. And, David, and then where David Koresh lived was Mount Caramel. Caramel daddies. <laughs> you ever had a caramel daddy? Uh, I've had a sugar uh, daddy. No, you have not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. look, the sugar daddies were like candy on a stick. They were. It was caramel on a stick. Ah, that's as as opposed to, as that's a, as opposed the ones to, I'm familiar with. Yeah, the, the sugar daddies were on a stick like a sucker, and then uh, sugar babies were like little, um, they were like the size of raisinettes. Do you remember Charleston chews? No, Grandpa. <laughs> what is a Charleston chew? Like, I've heard of that, but what is it? Y'all know what a cow tail is? No. <laughs> it's caramel and marshmallow. Ew. Right. I'd be wired after that. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Anymore. Moving on, guys. So we see the eyeball. Um, you know, okay. We we can't relieve Peter of his suspected part in this. A because that means you're expecting continuity out of this movie, and horror flicks were just not a thing. So maybe you know, maybe it could have gone under the radar. Oh wait a minute, our our killer, uh, you know, our, our stunt double had blue eyes or brown eyes, and he's got blue eyes, so he fucked it up completely. Well, it's hard to do because no quicker than Jess gets out of the killer's grasp, here comes fucking Peter yelling into the basement window where Jess is hiding. He breaks the window to get in, and if he's there to be a hero, I don't know what could have tipped him off that any fuckery is afoot in this house at this point. And I'm looking at his eyes. There's no contact lenses to make him seem brown-eyed. At this point, even with the convenience of his appearance, I'm holding out hope that he's not a real scoundrel. What say you? I think he kind of sucks. Don't love the guy, but I don't know. I think I'm, I think at this point I'm still yet to relieve him of the role of the killer. Well, as police arrive, we hear Jess's screams coming from the house. And when she's found there, we see Peter dead lying in Jess's lap. And Jess appears to be dead until they call her name. Moments later, we're with Jess, the police and Claire's father as Jess lays in bed in recovery. You're talking about Peter in past tense saying that they can't believe he'd done such a thing and like the usual things you'd say about a killer that you never expected. I can only imagine like that a theater full of people in 1974 thinking, damn, I knew it was him. I don't know, man. I think you caught some stuff I didn't. Well, in the attic of the sorority house, along with the dead bodies of Mrs. Mack and Claire, still lurks the crazed killer. It was not Peter. It was not. Much to my dismay, personally. Yeah, yeah. It's an unknown individual. Possibly just, yeah, 
possibly just obsessed with one sorority sister one year and got rid of her and got the bloodlust and kept going. But with the, the police still outside, we hear the phone ringing, signifying that it's not over. Roll credits. Now, while this film has all the decoration and pageantry and the caroling in the one scene, there aren't really that many references to Christmas to make this feel Christmassy. But, like, I think this one should be a holiday staple in households across the Christmas celebrating world. Might not be the most family-friendly one, but it's definitely a classic. Most definitely. Rick, just give me your final thoughts on Black Christmas. I mean, <clears throat> obviously I'm biased. Because uh, I've seen it a bunch of times, but I mean, be biased, Rick. Be biased. For me, I'm I mean, it's 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 a really good it's a really good film. I mean, it's probably one of the I wouldn't say the first slasher film, but it's one of the earlier ones. And I mean, it's for a holiday movie. It's holiday horror movie. It's it's up there for me, honestly. Listen, if even if it wasn't one, you know the first slasher films, it was one of the first, and surely has to be the first. Christmas horror film. Yeah. Or Christmas slasher film. Right. Yeah, so I mean it's to me it's a it's a classic in in the horror genre as a whole. Godfather, did you hate this one as much as I thought you would? This movie was terrible. He didn't watch it. You didn't even watch it, James. It made me sick to my stomach. It's a long way to go to say I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Casey, was this film naughty or nice? I'll not sit here and listen to these accusations. <laughs> I'm going to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um, I did want to, I will reveal my thoughts momentarily. Um, I did want to say something about the movie that I read that I thought was kind of interesting, was that initially this movie, uh, under the title Stranger in the House, which was yet another name for it which is actually if you try and find it on rotten tomatoes it is under a stranger in the house but that's weird was, isn't it stranger in the house. they did that they did that with um oh god the thanksgiving one that we literally just did uh blood rage blood rage blood rage was under its alternate title on rotten tomatoes as well but this movie was supposed to premiere on nbc for its like tv premiere um, in 78 but two weeks prior to it's supposed to be coming on tv at uh chi omega in florida state there was a double murder against two chi omega sisters that were bludgeoned to death and later um it was discovered that the killer was ted bundy who was executed for this and a bunch of other things in 89 and also ted bundy sucked wasn't that smart and was not hot just i feel like the true crime weirdos out there glorify him and he sucks but anyway, fun fact about this movie. Not that fun, actually. Horrible fact about this movie. But I really like this movie. Um, I hadn't seen it before. I knew it was a classic. I had heard of it. You know, I, I knew there was a remake, too, that wasn't thought of as fondly. But I knew that this movie was out there and just somehow never got around to seeing it. And I have a newfound appreciation for it, especially knowing that it's one of the original slasher films out there. Um, and also for its... Um, multifaceted and well-developed female characters love that well you know mary elizabeth winstead was in the 2006 version so i'll not sit here and listen to you guys disparage the good goddamn name of mary elizabeth winstead it. and her work i haven't seen it i'm just saying what i've heard okay what the critics think about this one 
Well, I did mention earlier that we had a 71% for it, um, which, like we said, pretty respectable. A good review is that Black Christmas is a holiday classic and a film that builds horror's foundations for more than its kills. It is with us 45 years later, at the time this was 2019, because of how it establishes tropes and how it presents a depiction of being a woman in a real and authentic way. A negative review of the movie was perhaps frightening in 1974. It really doesn't hold up today unless you can forget the 12,000 films exactly like it, which is difficult. And to that guy, I say, you're a fucking loser. Yeah, you can eat a bag of dicks, bro. Yeah. Rob Gonsalves of eFilmCritic.com on July 23rd, 2007. Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, he, he needs to fat more often because he has got a bad opinion on things. Don't love him. No. And never will I. So, we need to know right now, Rick, what do we need to be finding for the <clears throat> next episode? All right, so uh, next week we're doing a slasher Christmas film uh, titled Christmas Evil. Uh, came out uh, in 1980, so it should be a fun one. Where can we find that one? Uh, you can watch it on a amazing free streaming site, Tubi. Tubi TV. Nice. I love Tubi. I love when these are easier to find. Tubi's a great service, by the way, for our listeners. They have some really good horror stuff on there. Totally yeah, free. It has a ton of horror stuff on there, and it is yeah. free. You've got commercials, but get over it, you know? I wish we could do watch parties on Tubi. I know. But, hey, say la vie. Well, we okay, that's going to do it. We could barely do a watch party on Hulu. <laughs> that's true, too. <laughs> Well, okay, so that's going to do it for this episode of Slashers and Screamers for The Godfather of Joel James, for Final Girl Casey, and for Memphis Menace Rick. I am Billy Graves. We'll catch you in the game. Bye.